Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. We start a new series this week called Guardrails. Most of us should know what a guardrail is, hopefully by knowledge, but a guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying off limits into the danger zone, like this. And what's great about guardrails is they have, they have two primary functions. The first one is that they direct you, but when you see images like that, they also protect you. Guardrails direct and protect. And uh, Have you ever noticed that a guardrail is not placed in the danger zone? The guardrail is always placed inside the safety zone. Uh, they're, they're, they're always placed uh, in the safety zone, giving us some margin. If there was no guardrails on bridges, then you'd just fly off over a bridge. If there was no guardrails on roads, then you'd fly off, off, fly off over the side of the road. But here's the thing, guardrails, are, they're designed to, to minimise damage. Importantly, if you hit a guardrail, and maybe some of you have, um, we have to understand guardrails are designed to min- minimise damage and they'll cause you damage in, in the short term, but in the long term, they save you from disaster. Now, what we'll be exploring over the next couple of weeks is this, that guard, uh, the, the, the road is not the only place for guardrails in life. And I'm sure if I uh, pass the microphone around this morning, there would be many a story here um, from people here and myself included with their, where there were times and there were places where we could have, should have done things, could have, should have established guardrails in our, in our lives and we didn't and we flew off the edge, Right? And the, the thing that just makes common sense is that life is forever coming at us and those opportunities are always there this week ahead of us. And so uh, guardrails are incredibly important to be thinking about if we know that our greatest regrets would have, could have been avoided. If we just simply had some friendship guardrails and some relationship guardrails and some financial guardrails and some moral guardrails. If we, if we know that's true from our past, then how much more true would it be for our future? Now, here's the problem. And are you feeling the same tension I've felt when I thought about doing this series? Are you feeling that tension where, where even as Christians we hear this, we hear this and we go, oh, this sounds so restrictive, Sounds so traditional. This sounds so repressive. And more importantly, who here would be willing to go to your workplace tomorrow? And someone says, what do you do on Sunday? And, and, and you say, well, it was wonderful. I, I sat there in church and we learned how we could establish uh, moral and ethical and relational restrictions in our lives. It was fantastic. <laughs> what do you reckon the response would be from people that hear that? You can have a guess. You see, culture doesn't like guardrails. Our culture, likes, uh, our culture likes painted lines. They're good. Painted lines are good because they sort of suggest that you go in the right direction, but you're free to cross them whenever you want. Right? We, they look like this. You have phrases like, uh, drink responsibly. Now, if any of you, if any of you have been, you know, seen, seen a Gordon... Rugby match after it's all finished and they win the game and the boys get a bit of a roll on. <laughs> Drink responsibly 
uh, sometimes doesn't quite limit the behaviour. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> or, or what about sex? When it comes to sex. And the common line that our culture says to a lot of people is, wait until you're ready. Now look, I was a 15-year-old at Knox Grammar School. And I'm thinking, you imagine if that came up on the PowerPoint slide in PDHPE. Culture says when it comes to sex, wait until you're ready. There'd be a classroom of 30 years saying, come on, we were born ready. <laughs> Culture likes painted lines. It doesn't like guardrails. And I think part of the reason is because our Western culture is born, it, it's born into a, a naive way of looking at what true freedom is. You see, true freedom from a modern Western mindset now says freedom is the absence of all restrictions. So long as no one, no one, no thing is impacting and restricting your life, then, then you're finally free. <clears throat> Then you're free. Freedom is a lack of restrictions, a lack of constraints, a, a lack of any kind of structure in your life. It's one of the reasons why I decided I wanted to play jazz piano and not classical piano. Because I saw classical and you had to read the music the whole time. Whereas I saw jazz, you just get to play whatever notes you want. It looked, it looked fantastic. It looked fun. I, I just wanted to vamp. I just wanted to vamp. I wanted to improv. I just wanted to get into it. Now, the, the problem I found... With jazz piano is, um, that's what you're aiming for in the long run, but in the beginning when you learn jazz piano, it's absolutely as restrictive as classical piano training is in the first place. Same scales, same keys, same instruments, same learning, all of that restrictive uh, work that needs to be done in order to lead you into the wonderful freedom that is improvisation. Because as much as it looks free in that way, what makes improvisation wonderful is the fact that that there is structures, there's minor seventh chords, there's a two-five-one chord progression, uh, there's, there's, a, there's rhythm, there's instruments that notes are built for. You, you know what I'm talking about? So hidden underneath all the wonderful freedom of jazz is incredible restriction, a restriction that leads to freedom. Now, if you're not a muse, I've probably lost you already. But you see this physically as well. Right, we think we, oh, well, you know, to freedom, freedom physically is you can eat whatever you want. Eat as much ice cream as you want. Eat as much ice cream as you want and see what happens, right? <laughs> you see, physical freedom, if you don't submit yourself to the right restrictions to begin with, then you actually become less free in the long run. It's called being unfit. So you can't walk up hills, you can't do as much as you would like to if you don't submit yourself to those restrictions. Think about it relationally. I learnt this in the first year of marriage. I was here, some of you might know this story, doing my evangelistic thing, talking to one of the cleaners out there on the steps and, and I've been praying for ages that it would happen and, and we, we were talking about Jesus and we were having a great conversation until then when I'd finished, I'd picked up my phone and there was like 15 missed calls and then I called Kristen and she was on the other line. She just said, where are you? I thought you're dead. I've been looking at the park across the road. I've called dad. I was about to call the police. <laughs> I 
I, getting married is one of the most liberating things that ever happened to me in life. But I also realised that it came with varying restrictions. Good restrictions and the right restrictions. And I know the text ahead of time, don't I? Yeah. So uh, your laughter suggests you get what I'm talking about, right? It's true that for physicality, for relationships... It's tr- this, we know this to be true. True freedom is not really freedom from all restrictions, but finding the right restrictions and submitting to them. Right? Is this making sense? As jo- John Stott, the, you know, the, great, the great Anglican preacher, probably the, probably the best one since that curry guy with the royal wedding that we heard. <laughs> He's my new fave. You know, John Stott uses a great example where he says, if we go and take a goldfish and we pull it out of its tank and we throw it onto a hot footpath, is it truly free? Oh, be liberated, little fish. (laughs) It's flapping around on the hot path. Is it truly free? Of course it's not free. It's meant to be in the water. And so therefore it begs the question, if this seems to be making sense to us, if true freedom is not the absence of all restrictions, but finding the right guardrails for our life what is the fish tank for which we are built and that's exactly where what Paul gets into that was a heavy bible reading wasn't it in the beginning I turned to Emily I thought oh we've got the wrong bible reading that's that sounds really heavy and then and then we read through and you hear Paul talk through a whole range of different guardrails of things that we should we shouldn't do to which he then says in Ephesians 5.15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. You see that? So here's, here's what Paul's saying to us. This is, this is how you set guardrails up in your life. Uh, first of all, the, thing that you, the first thing you do is you set guardrails up with wisdom. You establish them with wisdom. This is really important to get because I bet you your first instinct when we're using this phrase guardrails is you thought, oh, yep, traditional Christianity, religion, this is just, okay, come on, Sam, tell me what the rules are. But that's exactly not what I'm saying. You establish your guardrails with wisdom. Paul is saying here that wisdom is the framework by which we view everything in the New Testament. He's saying, I'm giving you guardrails, but I'm not giving you a set of do's and don'ts and rules here. He's saying you've got to be careful. The word therefore, be, be very careful than how you live. The word live is better translated in the Greek as walk. So he's saying be very careful how you walk. If you've got a large dog in a small backyard, you are very careful how you walk. <laughs> okay? And so Paul is saying to us, there, there are things all through life that you do not want to step into. So be wise about it. Be wise about it. Don't ask for do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs, because haven't you found that like 90% of the big decisions you've got to make in your life don't have right or wrong, yes or no answers? Anyone discovered that yet? (laughs) Remember, we've talked about wisdom. Wisdom is what do you do when there... How do you make the right decision when there are multiple right decisions? So Paul says, I'm not going to give you a list. The first thing you need to do is have a mindset of wisdom. What is the wise thing to do in light of my experience, my background, the pain, the barriers that I've already crashed through, the guardrails that I've already contravened? In light of all of that, what is the wisest thing to do in this situation? So be wise. Establish your guardrails with wisdom. 
And by the way, when you start adopting that mindset, there's real clarity now. You've got a grid system. You've got something to, to filter all of these decisions through. So he says, be wise about it because there are things that you can step into. Another way to look at it is I, I had to do it when I got my P's, but they had a defensive driving class. Anyone ever done a defensive driving class? Right? It got me cheaper insurance, so I went and did it. In the whole, what's the whole point of a defensive driving class? You know, I thought it was to go out there and learn how to get around a racetrack and cut corners. But everything's about being absolutely aware of what everyone else is doing. The ability to anticipate when something's going to hit you. And so Paul is saying, look, this is not rules and regulations. This is just a biblical example of defensive living. Do you live defensively? That's what guardrails are, defensive living. So you establish them with wisdom. For this reason, because he expands on this principle in the next verse. He then says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to... Start with that first half of the verse. Here's what guardrails do. Guardrails prevent one thing leading to. They stop one thing leading to. Here's here's the question. Is getting drunk a sin? Mm. Let's grid that in the context of what's happening here. Back, Back in those days, water was dangerous. Wine was safe. Water was dangerous because they didn't have a desalination plant and they didn't have fluoride and all the rest of it. And so still water for a long period of time could have had bacteria which give you an upset stomach at best and kill you at worst. So they drank wine uh, because wine with the alcohol killed off all the germs. So here we have a situation where there's a good thing and people are overusing a good thing. There's no guardrails established. And he says, don't get drunk on the wine. Now, the point of bringing this up is this, is, is, is the wine the issue? You know, often Christians, you know, take, particularly the drinking of alcohol, like it's a hard and fast rule. Paul says, be wise about all of this. In this context, it was safe to use. He's saying, fine, drink, drink the wine, but don't get drunk. But drunk is, is not necessarily the problem. Drunk is the guardrail here, by the, by the way. Drunk's the guardrail. If, you, if you've hit drunk, you know you're on the guardrail, right? Remember I said that guardrails cause you damage in the short term, but then they stop you doing even greater damage down the track. So that's exactly what he's saying here. See, drunk is the indicator that, okay, I've hit the guardrail and there's a bit of damage. There's a headache. There's a few words that you've said to someone they're going to have to take back in the morning, right? So drunk is the guardrail in this situation, but Paul says, hang on, listen up. This is dangerous. Do not get drunk because getting drunk leads to I don't know it's just a case study but how many of us here knows what leads to looks like and we can we can laugh about we can laugh about drunk particularly in the Australian culture we laugh about it. It's, 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 fu- it's funny. It's, it's, it's funny until a woman gets punched in the face. It's funny until a car veers across the road. It's funny until a marriage or kids are destroyed. This is serious stuff. And is this seriously the sort of thing that you want to live your life next to a painted line? 
But it's just, it's the case, it's the case study. And as a side note in all of this, by the way, you know, if these sorts of things that we'll be talking about in the next couple of weeks, if these are the things that you wrestle with, if these sorts of things are the guardrail that you've smashed through, please will you get this before I go any further. This message series is not about us talking about this and like how some Christians can be, you've crashed through the barrier and they sort of stand at the top of the cliff and go, I told you so. If that's you this week, if you are carrying regrets and you are carrying shame and you are carrying guilt because you crashed through a guardrail in your life, we're here to love you. This, consider this, not the sermon, this, your ministry team, the pastoral care team. There's a whole bunch of those emergency um, forklift tow truck driver trucks chucking stuff over the edge of the cliff ready to reel you back in. Okay? Where was I? It's the case study. Case study, that's what I'm saying, right? It's a case study. And, and, and here's, here's the point. We know this and we sense this. And the Bible screams this at you and I all the time. There are a heap of good, beautiful, wonderful, God-created things. Alcohol, sex, work, all of these family, all of these good and beautiful things that this week, if left unchecked, have the potential to blow your life up. It's a serious, we sense this. So therefore, wouldn't it stand a reason that we build guardrails into our... It's not about traditional moral oppression in Christianity. It's just wise and smart living. Let's establish a guardrail, says Paul, so that it doesn't lead to. And then he fills in what that to is in the gap for us. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And we, we only often, often think of that in the lustful sense, but the fundamental meaning of what that word there means in the Greek is a lack of self-control. So in other words, here's what guard, guardrails do. Guard, guardrails are set up so that you don't hand your life over to someone or something else. So you don't hand your life over to someone or something else. They safeguard you and your kids and your husband and your wife and the people you work with. They safeguard you from the handing over of control of your life to someone or something else. Remember Paul says elsewhere, do not be mastered by anything. He got it. He was quoting Bob Dylan. He was. Paul was quoting Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan said it right. You're going to serve someone. You might like to sing, you might like to dance, you might be the king of France, but you're going to serve someone. And if you're here long enough, you'll understand that our way of viewing the world is that there is something within the human heart that will constantly latch to things in order to serve it. And the deep question that we have to ask ourselves is, will the thing that we serve give us life and freedom or will it crush us in the long run? And so if you're not a religious person listening into this today, and, and, and I'm glad you're here. You're probably saying, hey, I'm with you. I get it. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, you've reminded me of some stuff that I regret. Even us as Christians are feeling that this morning. I don't want to leave us there. Nor does Paul, because he then says, instead of just giving over your life to any, anyone or anything, he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to this debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Paul says instead of giving your life over to these good things, the alcohol, the work, the relationship, all of the, instead of doing that, give it to the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been here for the last six weeks, so we're not going to expand here. You can go back and listen to the podcast. But remember we said that the easy decision, when Paul also says in Galatians, walk in line with the Spirit, is he's saying, uh, live according to the Spirit. He's saying Christianity is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's religion. Um, Christianity is the giving over, the handing over of your life to this one thing. Simple. Walk in step with the Spirit and you are already being directed and protected in those major areas of your life. So they stop you handing over your life to someone or something else. So as we finish this morning... We don't, I don't know about you, but, but we don't plan to wreck our lives any more than we plan to wreck our cars. <laughs> right? It just happens. The whole point that we're going to be going through these guardrails in the next four weeks, I haven't even talked about any of them yet, but friendships, relationships, finance, money, the whole reason we'll talk about this is that it's, we don't plan to wreck our lives, we just don't plan not to. And culture doesn't encourage this. You're going to find a book in Dimmix that's going to encourage this this week. Your co-workers are not going to encourage this. And so guardrails, guardrails are how you plan not to wreck your life. And I know we all say, it's okay, it's okay. I'll be careful, I'll be careful. I'll do it. Yeah, that, that, that's sort of, no, no one gets their license from the RTA by walking up to the lady in the little window after you've waited 55 minutes and saying, can I have my license, please? I promise I'm going to be careful. <laughs> if it's true for a license of cars, man, they should be issuing a license for lives, right? And so if it's, if it's true for cars, the human is far more of a weapon out there in life um, than any crunched up motor vehicle is with the pain and the distress and the hurt that we can cause in other people's lives and that we can cause in our own lives, wouldn't you think it would be sensible that we think about the key things that we need to learn in the next few weeks? Guardrails are the equivalent of defensive living. They direct, they protect. And you will find, here's the other thing, you'll find God's will in your life that much easier when you, when you look at guardrails because one step closer to him and the way he wants you to live is one step closer to him. And so I know the tension. I know the tension for many of us this morning. Oh, this sounds so restrictive. This is hardly uplifting. Um, particularly if you're watching in. Oh, Chris, that's exactly what I thought. Christianity sounds so restrictive. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Galatians says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So in other words, the choice before you this morning is this. You are free to do whatever the heck you want this week. <laughs> Isn't that great news? Do whatever you want. But Paul wisely says, here's another grid for you. Uh, every, everything is permissible, but not everything's beneficial. And don't we sense it? Haven't you experienced it? Whether you're a Christian or not. Have you experienced that 
the, 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 could it be possible as we walk through putting guardrails into these areas of life, finances, relationships, friendships, uh, haven't we all sensed that at one point these things have the potential to blow up our lives? And we have the potential to blow other people's lives up. And so, we're, you know, and trust me, I see this. It's, it's why Sydney Morning Herald had an article that said that being a pastor is one of the safest jobs in light of technological changes in the next hundred years. It was like second from the list that will never be replaced by automation or technology. <laughs> Chose the right career path. But it's because of this, and this is where I come from with all this sort of stuff. I just don't do Sundays. I, I, spend, I spend hours over the course of the time that I've spent here in this family sitting with and loving and guiding people who have crashed through guardrails. Who on one hand understand the beautiful love and the grace of Jesus Christ but still have to deal with the pains and the regrets that they feel at the same time. I would just like in my life at least to love Jesus and not have the regrets, wouldn't you? And if we have guardrails in our lives, then that's how we can do this. Um, on the other hand, the positive is this. On one hand, look, these things can blow your life up, so you need guardrails. The other positive is this quick poll. Who here noticed a guardrail when they drove here to church this morning? I've, 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 been, I've been driving for years and I, and, and I, I never look at them. And it's, it's for this reason. We've learnt, we've habitualized the process of driving within them for so long that driving within them and their protection and their direction has become second nature. So this is the question. What if? What if in learning God's ways through the Bible here, we begin to, first of all, learn to live within those boundaries that God has ordained for us but we do so over such a long period of time that we just, and this is true of many of you, we just habitually drive down his road. And we don't think about them. We don't think about them. That's what Jesus Christ wants for your life. Not some repressive, oppressive sets of do's and don'ts. But we say, uh, but dare I say to you this morning that if you didn't even notice them because you've so trained yourself to drive with freedom, wouldn't it stand to reason that when it comes to your life, you could do the same? That's his promise for you this morning. Christianity is spiritual jazz. It is. It's spiritual jazz. Of course it's restrictive at the beginning. Of course you're going to have to give things up. Of course, you're going to have to submit yourself to Jesus Christ. But his way of life, his scales, his rhythms, you're the instrument that he's written them for. And when you learn how to live and to play according to his master score for your life, you will discover a true freedom of wonder and of beauty that you never knew you had. So, where are you driving on the edge? What are you flirting with this week? Where are you too close to the danger zones? Right, keep that in mind. We'll start picking that up next week. Let's pray.
Father, I want to pray for anyone this morning who, as I've been saying, is in a place where um, there is deep uh, regret in their lives. And I pray that uh, there would be just a new and a real and a renewed sense of your spirit and your acceptance and your, your forgiveness and your grace over their life this morning, Heavenly Father. I pray that they would see a new paradigm of a new chapter and of a new direction, Lord, where they can step into uh, roads and pathways that are in accordance with your will. And um, today is a new day. (laughs) The old is gone, the new has come. They might step freshly into your plans for their lives. Father, I pray over a multitude of situations that I know sit beneath the surface of some 20-minute sermon in this place this morning, Lord. That there are strained lives, there's strained relationships, there's strained habits. That there are some of us in this place, Father, who, um, they're not driving down the road, they're they're skidding at 100 k's up against a guardrail. And we thank you that that is there, Lord. We pray for that, but... Um, Father, at the same time, we're praying for your power and your strength and your direction by the Holy Spirit. Most of all, Father, too, we pray that as we journey through this together, Lord, that um, we we would be setting things in place. That we will come to look back upon this time together and go, thank goodness I made that decision then. Thank goodness I put that in place then. And And that communally, we would see a community of increased beauty and of stability and wonder to the watching world because of what's happening in the hiddenness of these moments like this. Um, Lord, be with us all this morning. Holy Spirit, teach us, guide us, lead us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.